Crossroads family. Today we're just continuing our journey, uh, discovering what the kingdom of God is all about and how it changes everything. And last week we learned that the kingdom of God is something that we've been invited into, that all of us can participate in the kingdom of God by saying yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him, to accept him as our savior, surrender to him as our Lord, learning from him as our teacher, but also following him as our king. The kingdom of God is based on this reality that God created all of us to flourish and to have a relationship with him as he is our loving, ruling king. Because of our rebellion and disobedience, which the Bible calls sin, our lives are filled with disorder and chaos, hopelessness, even isolation. And that is not how God intended life to be. The good news is God made a way for you and I to be restored in relationship to God. And you and I were made in relationship and we were created for community. We discovered God's uh, identity, his character and his purposes all the way back at the very beginning in creation. We learned about his character and his activity and that he exists and operates in community. Genesis 1.1 says God created the heavens and earth. But in verses 26 and 28, it says this. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the white animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. From the beginning of creation, we see God's reign and the work that he wants to do through his people, both male and female, both created in his image with purpose to restore his creation back to their intended position to flourish. It's a a picture of the kingdom of, of God. I wonder, did you catch all the plural words that God used in that verses 26 and 28? He said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they, God exists and operates in community. Now we've mentioned this about God before by referring to God as three persons, in, three people in one person. And that can be a little confusing, but the big idea or the big word that's used for that is Trinity. That God is one person, one being in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've worshiped him for being that already this morning. All three share the same characteristics, but they have unique roles and responsibilities as part of the Godhead. And the Bible declares this truth about God being one in three persons from cover to cover. See, Baxter Kruger in in the book written, Jesus and the Undoing of Adam, says this. To believe in the Trinity means that we believe God is a relational being and always has been and always will be. The doctrine of the Trinity means that that relationship, that fellowship, that togetherness and sharing, that self-giving and other-centeredness are not afterthoughts with God, but the deepest truth about the being of God. Now, this deep theological truth of the Trinity has many applications to the kingdom of God. But today, I wanted us to see how we exist and how we operate in community. 
because we're created in the image of God. Genesis 2 recounts the creation story in using more descriptive language. And it says that all of God's creation that's labeled as good was placed under the care of the first man, Adam. He was placed in this beautiful paradise with deep fellowship with God to flourish. Yet, God makes a really unsettling statement in chapter 2, verse 18. God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the women said, amen, right? My wife doesn't send me to Walmart by myself, right? She knows better. God recognized Adam was alone. And that was not how he was intended to exist or function. In verse 19, God paraded all of the animals that he had made in front of Adam, but he said that there was no uh, person or there was no thing suitable for him. I'd like to kind of get up on a soapbox now and kind of talk about why pets or animals should never replace human relationships, but that's another sermon for another time, maybe a little pet peeve of mine. But God says this, I'll make a helper suitable for him. And what he did is he took a rib from the man and he created woman. You may have heard this phrase at a wedding. It says, he didn't take a bone from the man's foot so that the man would rule over her. He didn't take a bone from her head so that she would rule over him. He took a bone from his side so that they would do life together. We have to be careful to understand what God is saying in this moment. God is not saying that the woman is less important or subservient. The word helper, the original word, is actually a military term that says strong helper. It's actually a name that's used for God. Psalm 3320, Psalm 75, Psalm 115.9 speaks of God as our helper, the same word. And the word suitable means corresponding to him. Both were made in the image of God. Both have the same nature. Both are necessary for each other. What was absent for man, that not so good to be alone part, was the woman and vice versa. God made them for each other. And after making both man and female, God said it is very good. The chapter ends with a, a powerful declaration by the man and a true statement about life. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. What a powerful picture of God's reign through his people, created for relationship with him, but also with each other. We all have the need for others and a responsibility with others. The importance of community didn't stop with these two and in the garden. Adam and Eve were fruitful and they multiplied. They actually began populating the earth. And later we see in the Old Testament that God establishes a relationship with the nation of Israel. And he says it's for a purpose, that through them all people will be blessed. Fast forward to Jesus' arrival to the earth and he began ushering in the kingdom of God by inviting people to follow him. And it began with a few good men, but then quickly swelled to crowds of men and women who were saying yes to his invitation to follow him. They were embracing his way of life as their rabbi, their master, their teacher. They were witnessing his miracles, his death, and then his resurrection. These followers were then commissioned to extend God's invitation to all people, to every nation, by making disciples, teaching others what they had learned from Jesus themselves. The kingdom of God has always been and continues to be about relationship, relationship with God and with others. It's what we call community. 
We see this picture of the kingdom of God unfolding even more right after Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. In the opening book, on the opening pages of the book of Acts, Jesus spent about 40 days teaching about the kingdom of God after his resurrection. And those listening began asking him about times and dates. But Jesus says this to them. It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When anyone decides to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, he or she receives salvation and also the gift of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in this person to empower them to be a witness. I was really struck by this word witness this past week in my study. To me, spiritually speaking, a witness is someone who sees the power of God at work in their life and also in the lives of others. This is a person who shares a common experience and mission with other followers of Jesus. And it's a person who joins in the work that God is doing. That's what Jesus said should happen after his ascension, that the work should continue, that the kingdom of God should advance. God working through his people. If you turn the page over to Acts chapter 2, you see Peter, one of those first followers of Jesus, as a witness. And people are responding to the invitation to follow Jesus. I mean, 3,000 people responded in this moment. And Luke, the writer of Acts, takes a paragraph to describe how these followers of Jesus are behaving. Listen how they're described in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and as many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Did you notice all the plural words again in that description of these followers of Jesus? They, themselves, everyone, all believers, there, together, all the people. The kingdom of God from creation forward has always been about a relationship with God and others. We're created for both. How did it describe those first followers? It described them as being devoted which means they dug in, they prioritized, they made sacrifices to and for, they persevered, they stuck it out. What were they devoted to? Well, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means all that they had seen and learned from Jesus. That's what a disciple is, remember from last week? A disciple is somebody who spends time with God, or that with Jesus, that learns from Jesus, and also becomes living like Jesus. Their belief in and obedience to Jesus was the foundation of their commitment to God, but also to each other. It says they were also developed, devoted to fellowship, which means they met consistently. They worshiped collectively, and I think they cared authentically for each other. They shared with each other. It says that no one of them had need because they didn't consider anything his, hers, or mine. They considered it ours. They were tight. They were together often. They weren't a clique or a club. They were a community. They've devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which means they, they ate together. They celebrated the Lord's Supper together. They shared with others. 
I had a friend recently define for me what fellowship or, or what friendship really truly looks like by saying this. You know, Phil, you call me a friend, but you've never invited me into your house to have dinner. If we're truly friends, then we should spend time together. You, you reveal parts of your life to me and that we have something in common. Breaking of bread and prayer. There was a shared sense of awe and worship of God among these people. There was a dependence on God. And God was doing miraculous things through his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And prayer was the fuel making that happen. What we see happening all throughout the book of Acts is that the kingdom of God is unfolding. God's reign through God's people over God's place. It's heaven coming to earth. Scholar N.T. Wright says this, Christians are supposed to be heaven to earth people. Prayer makes no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together. And we can share in that already. It will only happen the way that God designed it to happen. And that's in and through community. You see, God's character and his plans are eternal, which means he hasn't changed his mind on how essential our relationship with him and with others is to understanding and experiencing the kingdom of God. Throughout this series, we've been encouraging you to read through the book Seek First. It's by Jeremy Treat. And in chapter 6, he speaks about how community is essential to understanding and experiencing the kingdom of God. And it's expressed best through the local church. I'd encourage you this week to read chapter 6 about pursuing community. Treat says this, Communities exist because they're bound together by something in common. The church is the community of those united in Christ the King. Jesus is what we have in common. And because we are all centered on Christ, we have a mutual calling to one another. Treat explains that the kingdom of God and the church are related, yet they are distinct. The church serves as the gathering of God's people to bring healing and restoration to the world today through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church will give way to the fullness of the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. Now, this doesn't diminish the importance of the church now. It actually multiplies it. As followers of Jesus, we are individually and collectively called to bring healing, reconciliation, and restoration of all things to God's design. Treat says the church is meant to be a preview of the coming attraction that is the eternal kingdom of God. When the world looks at the church, it should be a glimpse into God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. The world should say, That's what it looks like when love overcomes hate. That's how a community functions when people are treated with dignity, regardless of their social status. That's how power is used, not to coerce, but to serve. Author Michael Bird says that the church should be a billboard, declaring the good things that God has prepared for the restoration of all things. And while you and I know that the church has not been perfect at living that out, When we do, the world notices. God chose the church to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. Not through government or politics or military or social institutions or even education. Those surrendered to his reign operate under his authority and we represent him to the world around us. We work to extend his goodness by living and loving like his son Jesus. The church has one clear purpose. And that purpose is to make disciples. 
This is the process of following the teaching and example of Jesus, living as salt and light in the world around us and participating in God's renewal of the world. Treat says we make disciples by witnessing to Jesus in word and deed. We point people to Christ, showing and teaching how to follow Jesus in all of life. We shine a spotlight on Jesus through proclamation and demonstration. We must proclaim the gospel and live in a way that demonstrates the implications of the gospel in every aspect of life. You see, as the church, we don't just meet to sing and pray and talk about Jesus one hour a week, but also to express God's gracious reign in word and deed in our homes, in our schools, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, in every aspect of life. We must do this individually, but also collectively. That's why the church exists. Treat says the church is not a building you go to. It's a people you go with. The church is not an, an event you attend. It's a mission you join. The church is not a club you sign up for. It's a family that you're part of. It's about people. You know, the church brings many benefits to our lives and to the world. But those come through the devotion, the commitment, the contribution that we make to God's mission. God has always worked through his people. He always has. He always will. Scripture kind of uses the, the phrase, the bride of Christ, when it talks about the church. And many people in our world have tried to separate Jesus from the church. They've tried to separate that, saying, you know, I'm good with Jesus. I don't mind following him, but I, I don't want anything to do with the church. Well, that kind of mentality is kind of like saying to me, Phil, we think you're a great guy, but we don't like your wife at all. Those are fighting words in Kentucky where I grew up, okay? You just don't, you don't say those type of things. You can't separate love for God from love for his people or really love for anyone, that matters. We are created for a relationship with God and each other. And we experience love and encouragement and support through genuine biblical relationships through the church. That's the way God designed it to be. In the New Testament, there's over 100 passages that use the phrase one another. And 59 of those passages are a direct command. You can actually read all those passages if you want to just go to our website. I uploaded a PDF there at cccgo.com forward slash info. We're not going to visit all 100 passages today. But I do want to make three just challenges that I think make community work. And the first one is this. Community requires commitment. We read about the devotion in the early church. And I want you to know that it is still required for God's people, for God to reign in your lives individually and our life collectively. In our lives, we make lots of commitments. But it seems often that our commitment to the local church seems optional, unless there's something better else. It's like, I'll be at church unless the family needs to get together, or we have a ball game, or there's something else going on. And that commitment to the body of Christ seems to move down the list. Church attendance was certainly on a sharp decline over the past 10 to 20 years, and COVID has not helped that one bit. Across the nation, most pastors say that their attendance currently is about 20 to 40% of what it was just a year ago, most of that due to the worldwide pandemic. You know, we're about 33%. If you compare our attendance for the first two months of 2020 to the first two months of 2021, we're kind of there in the middle of the national average. It's probably not something that, to be proud of. I believe isolation is the biggest 
side effect or symptom of COVID-19. COVID-19 has interrupted and interfered with relationship maybe more than anything. It's kept us from seeing our loved ones. It's kept us from being together in our small groups or in our neighborhoods or with our friends. And it certainly has disrupted our life as the family of God from experiencing the community that God designed us to have. And while worshiping virtually over the past year has been a huge blessing, it's allowed you and me to worship and maybe even worship together in a sense connected by technology. It also has become comfortable and easy to just make that a replacement for gathering with God's people. You know, worshiping uh, virtually can be a helpful substitute while taking precautions, maybe being ill or even being out of town. But it is not a healthy relation, a replacement for gathering with God's people. We've had an online campus for several years here at Crossroads, and I'm grateful that that was in place when we made the decision to forgo gathering together out of deference to each other and also just as a way to love our neighbors. But our strategy behind the online campus has and continues to be a way to connect with those people who have not yet connected to Jesus, who are exploring who Jesus is or trying to get a picture of what the church is about. It's not there to stay home in our PJs just out of convenience or comfort. For anyone who is immune compromised or dealing with a serious health effect or does have legitimate concerns about contracting COVID-19, I want to assure you that we are grateful that you are worshiping with us online. And I hope that you stay connected to God and to your church family during this time. But for anyone who has found themselves working daily, eating out at restaurants, shopping at the mall, going about life pretty much normal, but you haven't been back worshiping with us in person. I want to challenge you to not let comfort or convenience keep you from experiencing the community that you were created for and that you were designed to contribute to. While I firmly believe that you can worship anywhere at any time, you cannot experience community alone. And so as we slowly but hopefully return to some sense of normalcy around Crossroads, I just want to encourage you to begin gathering consistently in worship with us. I want to encourage you to consider how you and your small group can reconnect. I want to encourage you to get back engaged in the mission by serving. God created community to be something we benefit from but also contribute to. And his church lives this out. When we gather together to worship with, through singing and prayer and studying God's word, being equipped to live in love like Jesus in our everyday life, encouraging each other through relationship, and also being mobilized to serve him and others as we live, work, and play. You need the church, and the church needs you. They are both inseparable. The Hebrew writer says some pretty strong words in Hebrews chapter 10. They're probably not unfamiliar, but let me read them to you again this morning. Hebrews 10 verses 23 through 25 read, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This can happen when God's people gather for worship in a large group or in a small group, in a large auditorium or in a living room, in pairs or in thousands, but it cannot happen alone. So let me ask you, where are you currently experiencing this type of community? Who's it with? 
I want to challenge every one of us to engage or maybe re-engage in community. It requires commitment. And maybe you need some starting points. We want to help you with that. Our website is prepared to connect you to places where you can connect to groups of people where you can begin establishing community or finding community and contributing to it. cccgo.com forward slash info can give you some good next steps about that. Or you can just step out in the atrium today. and One of me me and my teammates would be happy to help you. Community requires commitment, but it also requires contribution. Treat makes a powerful illustration to speak about uh, what the church's really intent is by sharing about a time where he and his family took a cruise. Cruise ships have two groups of people. There's a very small group of people who do all the work. And the rest of the people are in the other group who just sit back and enjoy the ride. Now, my family and I have taken a couple cruises, and that would describe our experience. They're really fun. But the church was never designed as a cruise ship. Actually, the church is more like a battleship. My family and also, I have also toured the USS Wisconsin. It's dry docked in Virginia Beach area. And I remember being amazed, first of all, at how large that ship was, but also how many people were crammed on what seemed to be a small place for that many people. Another thing that was amazing to me is every person who stepped foot on that ship as a sailor had a job. And at some point, there were people who were sleeping and some people who were eating and some people who were on deck. But there was a call that poised everybody to attention to do their contribution. When they heard the the sound battle stations, everybody knew their job and everybody reported to do their job. We're in a battle, my friends. It's a battle for our culture. It's a battle between evil and good. It's a battle of the kingdom of God and we have a victorious commander. But I also want you to know that it takes every one of us doing our part, fulfilling our role. Now, Paul didn't use a ship in the New Testament to make an illustration like that, but he used the body to talk about how all of us are a part of it and that we all have a contribution. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part in it. You know, here at Crossroads, we recognize that we need to do a better job engaging and empowering God's people for God's work. We've been working behind the scenes to develop leadership and processes to help do just that. That was a large motivation for the restructuring we did that we announced back at the end of 2020. We created a team called the Mobilization Team. We created another team called the Missional Living Team that are developing strategies as well as opportunities for all of us to participate in God's work, what he's doing right here through this church, through his people in this community. But we also need every person who calls Crossroads home, not to just show up, but also to step up. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. Simply put, we all have a gift, so use it. Community is about investing in what God is doing in his church and in the lives of others. We all benefit when we all contribute. So let me ask you, how has God gifted you? Where is he calling you to contribute? I want to challenge you to take the first step. Watch what God is doing in your family or in this church or in your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, your community, and join him. Don't wait for somebody to ask you. Because God has already asked you and he's given you the gifts to use. 
If you want to find out more, some opportunities you could serve beginning even today or in the very near future, you can check out our website. It's designed to help you navigate ways that you can serve, not to keep the lights on here at Crossroads, but to see God's work accomplished through his church in this community. cccgo.com forward slash serve is a great place for you to visit. Community requires commitment. It requires contribution. But I also want to warn you, it requires vulnerability. You know, in the Bible, my favorite illustration that speaks about community, what God's created for us to experience and contribute to actually goes all the way back to the beginning where we started today. It's, It's family. God created not just two people in the garden. He actually created the family unit. It doesn't take too long while reading through the Bible to realize that family is messy, that there is no perfect family, that it, it takes a lot of work to do relationships in a healthy way, whether you're connected biologically or not. But it's worth it. What God created in perfection in the Garden of Eden as one flesh that said it should not be separated, it still stands as the best way to do life, to do life with others. Treat says this, family Sticks around no matter what. Family calls you out and then helps you get through it. But family also helps out in the other small but significant ways. When you're sick, your family takes care of you. Your family picks, up, picks you up at the airport at one in the morning. Family comes to the rescue when your car breaks down on the highway in a snowstorm. That's the kind of community the church is called to be. We're a family that's bound together, not by DNA, but by the blood of Christ. You know, this past year has been just, let's just say ugly. It's just had some crazy things that we've all had to deal with. COVID-19 is one of those things. And I've watched the family of God, this congregation at Crossroads, respond in some family type of ways. I've seen them give generously over $150,000 to people who do not attend or are connected to Crossroads that live here in this community that have been impacted some way by COVID-19. On top of that, probably ten dollars to $20,000 have been spent to help people within our congregation in some tangible way because of something they are struggling with. This church is a generous church. I've also seen this church respond to things outside of COVID-19 happening at the same time. It was over a year, just over a year ago that we had another tornado come through Newburgh at the time we were just dealing with COVID-19. And what I see this church family do We showed up in backyards with chainsaws and pickup trucks to take down trees or to remove debris to help just be family. I've also watched this church offer meals to people whose loved ones are struggling or have just died from COVID-19. I've watched this church show up at a young single mom's house that burned to the ground. Not just clear the debris, but to provide her a place to live, to offer her a car to use, and also to help rebuild that house from ground up so that her and her young family can return to the place where they were living. I've seen this church show up when a person dies tragically or when they get the death notice or a diagnosis. Why do we behave that way? I'd like to say it's because that's what family does. And I don't know about you, but I need a family like that. And maybe you do too. And I want you to understand that community is something that we benefit from. It's also something we contribute to. And it requires vulnerability because we can't pretend like we've got it all together. None of us do. We all have areas or issues or needs. And I just want to encourage you to kind of drop the facade. Because we'll never be able to respond to a need if it's never expressed. 
if it's never apparent. And so what we need to do is that we need to not just show up or step up. I think we need to open up. While the institution of the family has been attacked by the evil one since day one, it is still under attack today because the devil knows that the power of community that comes to the kingdom of God. If we fight against each other, then we're distracted from fighting against our real enemy. So we must recognize that none of us are perfect. None of us are. We all make mistakes. We're all going to hurt one another at some point or maybe be hurt by one another. We're going to get disappointed. We're going to hold grudges. None of that is healthy or holy. But we can't deny that we contribute to that. John says that when we do, if we claim we're not with sin, then we make God out to be a liar. True community doesn't pretend to have it all together. But each person acknowledges their own sin. They take ownership for any hurts. They work toward reconciliation with anybody they have hurt. They show up, they step up, they open up. And while there is risk involved, when we're all striving to live in love like Jesus, that helps us experience true community. True community happens when you and I commit to one another, that we commit to contribute to each other through the good, bad, and the ugly of life. And we express that commitment in tangible ways, meeting the needs of each other. I love Paul's words of encouragement and challenge to the church at Thessalonica. He says this. Now about your love for one another, we don't need really to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God that you should love each other. But in fact, you do all love God's family through Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So I just want to ask you, you know, if you've been hurt by someone especially part of the body of Christ, the family of God. Who is that person and what steps are you currently taking to seek reconciliation? I want to challenge you to take the first step. I want to challenge you to keep taking steps. Psalm 34 verse 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. I think that's what family does. Speaking of family, let me just give a little bit of a news update. One of our family members on staff, Chris Hirsch, is currently on a six-week sabbatical. This is not a punitive thing. This is actually a healthy thing. We actually have a policy to help keep our staff family strong and healthy, spiritually, physically, emotionally, by investing in them. And so over the course of several years, people have taken a sabbatical. And Chris has served here for 14 years at Crossroads. You see him every once in a while up here leading worship. Actually, Chris is uh, very active behind the scenes, even more than he is on stage. He's a, a real contributor to our team. And so this is a space for him just to refresh and renew. And uh, we're excited for he, Lisa, and their three kids just to have some space to really invest in their relationship with God and also their relationship with others. We can't wait for him to be back. We just wanted you to know that maybe his absence on stage and why. And we're praying for Chris just to have a, a really healthy and refreshing experience. The kingdom of God calls all of us to live in relationship with God and with others. That's how God intended it to be, to be community. And when you and I live in community, then what we do is we reflect best the character of God. I think we display the reign of God in our life. We usher in the kingdom of God, God's reign through his people over his place. It requires commitment. It requires contribution. It requires vulnerability. But when we live that way, it really changes everything. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for revealing your character to us. 
You reveal that you're not a solo act. You exist as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that truth displays to us that none of us are a solo act. None of us are capable on our own. You didn't create us that way. We need you. God, we also need each other. God, my prayer right now is for somebody who is sitting here in person or worshiping with us online, and they feel alone. They don't feel like they have anybody in their life. God, I pray that right now, in a very supernatural way, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would remind that person that they have you, that you created them with purpose and with love and with intentionality. God, that you have great plans for that person and that you are present. God, I also pray that you would inspire and orchestrate one of us being able to reach to that person with community, God. With the same love that you reached out to us, a love that's selfless, a love that is sacrificial, a love that goes the extra mile. And I pray that we would learn to live that way. We'd be reflective of the way that you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit exist and function and have set an example for us, Lord. And God, I pray that that would change every one of us from the inside out. And God, I pray it would not only change us, but it would change our families, it would change our neighborhoods, it would change our workplace, it would change our schools, it would change this community, Lord. That the way that we live as salt and light would be a tangible expression of the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth. We pray that through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.